My wife and I were invited to a home in Fairfax, Virginia, northern Virginia, to the home of an Egyptian couple. I've never been to Egypt. I'd love to go to Egypt. I'd love to see the pyramids. Frankly, I'm a little afraid to go just now. So we got invited in the home of this Egyptian family. We didn't know what to expect. Would you believe they had prepared 20 Egyptian and Lebanese entrees? 20. They had worked three days to prepare 20 different main courses. We ate, we fellowshiped, we laughed, we talked about real life issues. We had a, a, a tremendous time. And when we left, I said to my wife, can you remember the last time we had such a good time in somebody's home? We were refreshed. Now, tonight, we all know people that when we get in their presence, uh, they uplift us. They refresh us. These are the type of people who make us feel better about our situation. They make us feel better about life. They help us to gain perspective, and they are refreshers. And I want to talk to you tonight about the ministry of refreshment, the ministry of refreshment. In the Bible, there's at least 10 words uh, that talk about refresh, refreshed, or refreshing, and I want to give you a couple of them here this evening. Notice what the Bible says. It came to pass that when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and he played with his hand. Now read the bold part out loud. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. Paul or Saul was refreshed. Now the word refresh here means to breathe freely. It means to revive. It means to be enlarged. David used his gift of music to refresh the soul and restore Saul. There's another Bible verse in 2 Timothy, and it goes like this. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus. Read it out loud, the bold part. For he oft refreshed me. Often he refreshed me, not just once. Now that word refresh there means to cool off. It means to relieve, like when you're hot. Uh, Onesiphorus was like a glass of ice cold water on a scorching hot day. There's another reference to this word refresh found in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul said, therefore, we were comforted in your comfort. Yea, and exceeding the more joyed we for the joy of Titus. Read it out loud. Because his spirit was refreshed by you all. His spirit was refreshed. That word refresh means to give rest. The Corinthian Christians brought comfort and rest to Titus. He was refreshed by being with these individuals. And I want to give you just one other from the book of Romans where Paul said that I might come unto you with joy by the will of God and say it out loud, with you be refreshed. Now that word refreshed there means to refresh oneself in company. In other words, there was a mutual joint benefit. And Paul knew that he would be refreshed and they would be refreshed when they got together. Now, men and women, we live in a world filled with agitators, aggravators, irritators, grumblers, whiners, scoffers, and critics. But I want to tell you, the church of the living God should be a community of encouragement. So tonight, I want to give you some characteristics of a refresher, just practical things on how you can have a ministry of refreshment. I want to empower you to empower others. I tonight want to encourage you to encourage other people. And I want to tell you that if you're going to have a ministry of refreshment, if you're going to have this kind of an impact upon people, number one, you have to have a positive attitude. You have to have a positive attitude. 
Somebody said, spend your life focusing on what you love instead of what you hate. Spend your life focusing on what you love instead of what you hate. You know what attitude is? Attitude is a learned tendency to evaluate things a certain way. And you can cultivate a positive attitude no matter how negative of an environment, no matter how toxic your upbringing was, you can cultivate a positive attitude. So when you come to church, go out of your way to say good evening. On Sunday morning, go out of your way to say good morning. Greet everybody with a smile. Be upbeat. Let your mouth overflow with grace. And don't be critical. The Bible says let no corrupt communication, no putrid, no rotten communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edification. I grew up in Southside, Virginia. Uh, my parents had a, had a farm. We had a garden. We had a huge, huge garden. We used to raise enough potatoes to feed the whole county. And it was my brother and I's job to harvest those potatoes. Now, we'd have to clean out the old potatoes from the previous year, which could be a dangerous job if, they, if, if, if one of them busted. And then we had to go pick up and harvest the ones out of the ground. Now, my father had an old 1950 uh, M John Deere tractor. That's the putt-putt two-cylinder. And we rigged up a, uh, a horse-drawn plow, a turning plow. And the trick was to place it right in that uh, hill, that row. And if you did it exactly right and the plants were straight, the theory was that the potatoes would just kind of fall out and all you had to do was go pick them up. And it worked pretty good. So we were harvesting these potatoes. It was about 95 degrees, like it was really hot. And uh, I noticed a potato stuck in the ground that didn't fall out, and I, I reached down to grasp it. And when I grasped that potato, about the size of a baseball, immediately I detected it was an unstable potato. The skin was intact, but the in, in, inside was liquefied. If you've ever smelled a rotten tomato, a rotten potato, buddy, you know it's, it's as bad as it gets. So I picked that thing up, and there it was quivering, kind of like Santa Claus' belly, and I looked at that, and I looked at my brother 10 feet away. I used, I used to be a baseball pitcher, so I, 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 he saw it coming. He turned around and began to hoof it off. Man, I took that potato, and I planted it dead center of his back, splat. His lunch went splat on the ground, and then his fist went splat toward my face after that episode was over. But the Bible says, don't let any rotten, putrid, corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. The tongue's in a wet place, and it's easy for it to slip. Can anybody identify with that right there? One time, a Quaker was milking his cow, and the Quaker's cow put his foot in the pail. And uh, the Quaker had to calmly go and clean it up, and then he tried it again. And this time, uh, the cow kicked the pail, the milk pail, over. So the Quaker tried it again, and this time the cow took its manure-laden tail and swiped the face of the Quaker with that manure-laden tail. So the Quaker got up calmly, walked and got in front of the cow, and the Quaker said, Thou knowest that I am a Quaker, and I cannot hit thee or curse thee, but I can sell thee to a Baptist, and he will beat the devil out of you. <laughs> you got to develop, you got to cultivate a positive attitude. Somebody said an, optim an optimist can find opportunity in every calamity. An optimist can find opportunity in every calamity, but a pessimist can find calamity in every opportunity. 
Refreshers choose to focus on the sunny side. They're positive. They speak life. They impart energy. They give hope. You got to learn to be a putter in her instead of a taker outer. I mean, everybody smiles when you come into a room. Sometimes it's when you enter. Sometimes it's when you leave. And you want them to be smiling when you enter the room instead of when you leave. So you got to be an energy giver instead of an energy taker. And I want to say this. Your spirit communicates as loudly as your words. Your very presence can empower people. Manly Beasley was a Baptist evangelist who had a message of faith and a life message of faith because he had 21 unrelated terminal illnesses. You know, most people get one terminal illness and that pretty well takes care of it. But he kept on getting healed and lo and behold, he'd come down with another terminal illness. He was in the hospital. He said the pain was unbearable. Six Baptist preachers had flown in to try to encourage him, but it wasn't working. And he said, all of a sudden, the pain was overwhelming when a homely, humble woman walked into the room. And Manly Beasley said, when that woman walked into the room, he said, God walked into the room. It was Corey Ten Boom. And he said, when she came in, I don't know whether that room went to heaven or whether heaven came to that room. But he said, when she walked in, Jesus walked in, and he said his pain did not subside, but his ability to cope with it did. And I'm telling you, when you have a, a positive attitude, you can have a, a, a positive influence. Attitude's a little thing that goes a long way. You know, your thoughts can lift people. Your thoughts can depress people. What's in your mind will translate into an atmosphere which will translate into words. Your thoughts give birth to words. Your words are the overflow of your heart. And what you dwell on finds expression in your speech. Somebody said a kind word can reach a wound that only compassion can heal. Constructive speech flows out of a happy heart. And you know refreshers, you know what they do? They intentionally connect with people. They're the ones that will go and, and to the shut-ins. They're the ones that will go and listen. They will be the ones that will talk and try to be a blessing. Can I tell you a positive attitude is contagious? A negative attitude is contagious, but so is a positive attitude. And Paul longed to be with those Christians at Rome because he knew they would all be the beneficiaries if he was. You know, we've been doing this for a long time, traveling. I'm a full-time evangelist. And, you know, we like to go some places, not because we think anything really significant is going to happen, but we like to go because we just like to be around the people. And I'm telling you, if you get around people with a positive attitude, and if you have one, you can have a ministry of refreshment. Number two, you want a ministry of refreshment, you need to express genuine concern. You need to express genuine concern. Paul said, let not every man look on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now, the word compassion means to suffer together. Passion means to suffer. C-O-M means company, to suffer together. We're fellow saints. We're fellow saints. We're fellow sufferers, and we're fellow sinners. And I'm telling you, when you are empathetic, that means that you sense what other people are going through, either from experience or you put yourself in their shoes. You know what empathy is? Empathy is me feeling your pain in my heart. That's what empathy is. It's me feeling your pain in my heart. And I want to tell you something. When you go through stuff, it makes you an expert person to help people that's going through something similar to what you went through. It's, it's empathy. Now, compassion. 
It's entering into another person's suffering with a desire to lessen their pain. How many know that even animals can tell if you like them or not? Animals love me. Children love me. I mean, if, if I'm somewhere and there's an animal, and, and who do they come to every time? Me. It seems this way. We were in Alabama. We were visiting a lady on hospice, an elderly saint who was about ready to check out. So we went to minister to her out in the country down in Alabama. Well, we met her son in the driveway, and there we were conversing and trying to comfort and console this man. His mother's about to check out. You know, you only have one mother, you know. You only, have, you only got one. So we're trying to minister to this guy. And all of a sudden, out of the woods, here comes a mangy, flea-ridden, uh, tick-infested uh, Alabama alley cat comes out of the woods. And who does the cat come and approach first? Well, me, of course. So here we are trying to minister to this man. And this cat comes up right beside my leg. And you know how those cats are, smarmy, you know, just, just kind of rubbing up against you, transferring fleas by the dozens with every swipe. And uh, here I'm trying to look concerned. And, well, I was concerned, but I was trying to comfort. Oh, brother, we're sorry to hear that. And, and that cat's rubbing up against me. Oh, man, we're sorry to hear about your mom. You know, and trying to kick the cat. Oh, brother, this is awful. Man, we're praying for you. <laughs> It was a special needs cat, Pastor Lytell. It was a special needs cat. I had to kick it six times before it got the message that I didn't want it around. And you know something? If animals can tell if you like them or not, so can people. And you know what? You don't have to be like somebody to like them. Say amen on that point right there. And we ought to do good to all men, especially the household of faith. Now, the greatest gift you can give is your time and concern. You know, compassionate people are available when you need them. They're not in a hurry to get away from you. Oh, brother, I'm just telling you, take a real interest in helping people. Don't rush out of church. Uh, speak to everybody you can. Invite people into your home for a meal. How many remember when Christians used to do this? How many remember in the old days when you didn't need a six-month-in-advance appointment to go visit somebody? You just showed up. We lived out in the country, and my parents were old school, and uh, somebody knocked on the door, and, Come on in. My dad was saying, come on in. Jehovah's Witnesses, come on in. Mormons, come on in. <laughs> Say, it didn't make any difference. Come on in. You know? but, but you know, serious, serious. Uh, I believe that on the day of disengagement and isolation and loneliness, uh, the church of God can shine by being hospitable to people, and then we need to recover the ministry of hospitality. Seek out those who come to your church. Get to know them. Take them out for a meal. You've got a lot of good places around here. And uh, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, some burdens are to be shouldered. Some burdens are to be shouldered because every man shall bear his own burden, his own responsibilities. Uh, some burdens are to be shed. Cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. But some burdens are to be shared. And that's why the Bible says bear one another's burdens. Compassion. Help bear somebody else's load. You want to have a ministry of, of being a, a refresher. Number three, learn to be a good listener. Learn to be a good listener. There is no greater loan than a sympathetic ear. No greater loan than a sympathetic ear. And silence is often more beneficial than advice. Now, how do people spend, how do people feel after spending time with you? You know, if you'll listen to them, pay attention to them, take an interest in them, 
they will appreciate you. I, I, I've discovered this, that uh, when people come and, and they need to talk, how many know some people need to talk? They just, they just need to talk. So give yourself to the people you're speaking with. Uh, let them talk it out. Don't interrupt. If they stutter, don't try to forecast what they're trying to say. Make eye contact. Intentionally focus on the person uh, that's sitting in front of you. Have a courteous interest, a courteous interest. And if you will just sit there and listen without making commentary and begging clarification on every point, you can help people. And if you'll just let them talk it out, I'm telling you, just pay attention and keep quiet. They will give you credit for having tremendous wisdom and all you had to do was keep your big mouth shut. Is that true? It's, I'm telling you, it's true. Be a, learn to be a good listener. Now, don't be a busy, busy body. You don't refresh people by gossiping and down-talking others. You know what the old Puritan said? He said, he that speaks a slander carries the devil in his tongue. He that speaks a slander carries the devil in his tongue. And he that receives a slander carries the devil in his ear. I'm telling you, anybody can find the dirt in others. You be the one that looks for the gold. Learn to be a good listener. You want a ministry of refreshment? Here's another practical thing. Uh, learn to have honest communication. Say that out loud. Honest communication. You know a compliment is verbal sunshine? It's cloudy up home. I like it down here. I'm thinking about coming back down here. Uh, 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 a compliment is verbal sunshine. A pat on the back, though only a few vertebrae removed from a kick in the pants, is miles ahead in results. I like that one. That's in the deep fire book, by the way. How many know what's in the well comes up in the bucket? What's in your heart comes out of your mouth? That's why the Bible says, let your yay be and your nay be. Say what you mean, mean what you say. Never give false praise. Uh, you be straightforward, use non-wavering direct communication, hot communication, they used to call it, and don't speak in code. You know, if you're a public speaker and you go to all these churches, every group has code words you got to say to let them know that you're on the same page with them. I intentionally don't say them. <laughs> don't speak in code. Speak just plain English. Say what you mean, mean what you say. And you know, we're living in a day when there's so little honesty in communication a honest, a candid communication is refreshing even if you don't agree with them sometimes. It's just refreshing to be around somebody that can express themselves and be who they are. Now, I had a friend one time, he got into a bad habit. Uh, he was unaware of this. Uh, he didn't intentionally do it, but he was, he was taking God's name in vain. He was a preacher and he heard some other big mouth blowards uh, using this expression. So he would often, when he would get excited, he would say, bless G-O-D. But it wasn't like, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. It was an expression of surprise. And the way that other people would use a curse word, he used God's name in a vain, frivolous, light, meaningless way. It was blasphemy and taking God's name in vain. Well, he didn't know it. Well, he kept on doing it. Now, we're pretty good friends. So I said to him, I said, brother, listen, I, I, I just need to talk to you. Now, I didn't climb his tree, but I, I was honest. And I said, listen, I know you're not aware of this, but when you use that expression, bless G-O-D, as an expression of surprise, 
you're really using God's name in a, in a vain, light, frivolous, worthless way. It's, it's really not good. And, I, and I, I just talked to him and shared with him. He thanked me for appointing that. He thanked me. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. His deacon came in the office and he said, you know what, Brother Harold just rebuked me. <laughs> and he told him what I'd said and it helped him. Can, can I say something to you? Candid communication can refresh people. That's why strong preaching sometimes, even when it brings conviction, is refreshing. I remember sitting at a prayer advance and the guy got up there and he was talking about a spiritual stray, uh, going astray from God. And it was direct. It was, it was uh, point blank. But buddy, it was refreshing because it was candid, it was honest, and it met the need of my heart. Now listen, I want you to think about the people you enjoy being with. Think about it. Think about the people you enjoy being with. Now, is this not true? Aren't they the ones that make you laugh? I mean, aren't they the ones that laugh with you? How many know not everything is drop dead serious? So I like your pastor. I like a guy with a sense of humor, you know. I like a guy that can laugh at stuff, laugh at himself and laugh with me. And you know something? It's just candid, being honest. You enjoy their company. You know, happiness is one commodity that's not diminished when it's shared. So learn to be a Monday morning encourager. Uh, write the pastor a, a text or an email and or your Sunday school teacher or brother not the song leader or the choir, didn't the choir do a good job tonight? I mean, the people that bless you, bless them back. Uh, let them know you appreciate them. Be, learn to be an encourager. There was a guy in Ireland one time, and he had a habit of trying to encouraging his pastor every week. So every week after the Sunday morning sermon, this guy in the church would go up and would compliment the pastor on something positive in his message. Well, one Sunday, uh, the pastor laid a homiletical egg, and for the life of him, he couldn't think of a single positive thing to say. So he's in line, and when you go to Ireland, you got to shake 400 hands, buddy. I'm just telling you, you got to shake 400 hands. That's just the way it is. And uh, he was waiting in line, racking his brain, trying to come up with something positive to say because he always liked to encourage his pastor, but he couldn't think of anything. So finally, he got up to the pastor, and he shook his hand. He looked him in the eye, and he said, great text, pastor, great text this morning, great text. Now, if you're looking for something, Positive, you can find something positive. And I'm telling you, honest communication will refresh people. You want to have a ministry of refreshment? Number five, you got to have an obvious faith. You got to have an obvious faith. I pray prayers of faith, not prayers of doubt. Don't interrogate people who are sick or in crisis. Don't speculate on the chances of their survival. Don't talk to them about medical statistics for crying out loud. I just believe God to intervene. They're already struggling anyhow. So why not speak words of faith? Whatsoever is not a faith is. Whatsoever is not a faith is. So if you're not praying in faith, it is. It really boils down to this. Now, if you've ever been sick and practiced James 5 and called for the elders of the church in conservative churches, you're better off not to do this a lot of times because here's the way it goes. Everybody's nervous about this. They're going to think we're Pentecostals if we pray the prayer of faith. Can I relieve your fears here, down here in Manita Spring? Y'all ain't got nothing to worry about of anybody accusing you to be like that right there. You got nothing. So just relax on that point right there. You, got, you passed that test. 
But you call in the pastors and people to pray, and, and the pastor typically is not accustomed to this. Some are, but most are not. And, and you got all these other guys in there. So the pastor who's in charge, he gets up, and he's reluctant and nervous and puts on his best ministerial tone of voice, you know. Well, brethren, we're all glad to be here, and we're here to pray over brother so-and-so. And then he'll say something like this. You know, brethren, we know, we know there's nothing miraculous about this oil. You'll have to throw that in there. And uh, that's a code word. Uh, we, we know there's no medicinal value in the oil. And he'll go on 15 minutes, stripping what little faith two or three people had. And by the end of his diatribe of unbelief, the guy that's sick is ready to go down to the funeral home and make final arrangements because he knows there's no hope for him with a bunch like that. They an ounce of faith in sight nowhere. And I want to say something to you. When people are sick, they don't need to hear a bunch of unbelief. They don't need to hear a bunch of doubt. They don't need to hear a bunch of disclaimers. They need to hear somebody that believes that Jehovah Rapha is God our healer and that God can still intervene in the worst of situations. I was in West Virginia after preaching on this one night, got all exercised. And I say, now look, if the person is 95, you might not want to pray the prayer of faith. And after the service, a 103-year-old woman came up to me and rebuked me. She said, what do you mean you don't want to pray the prayer of faith over somebody over 95? I said, ma'am, I'll never say that again ever in my life. I'll never say that again. <laughs> you know, I got uh, cancer came to our home and I called up my friend Ralph Satura of the Canadian Revival Fellowship and I said, hey, Ralph, how are you supposed to pray for sick people? How are you supposed to pray for sick people? I said, Ralph, there's the excitable brethren that can believe anything. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. They can believe anything. I met a guy one time, his two-year-old son had died and he was believing that God was gonna resurrect his son at the graveside. He believed it was going to happen. And when it didn't happen, it stumbled him. But you got that crowd that can believe anything. And then I said, Ralph, the crowd I run with can hardly believe anything at all. I said, there got to be some middle ground here. I said, how are you supposed to pray for sick people? And Ralph said, Harold, when you pray for sick people, you always pray in faith believing. When you pray for sick people, you always pray in faith believing. And that way, if God chooses not to heal, at least it wasn't your unbelief that missed the miracle. And I can live with that right there. I'm going with that right there, brother. And I'm just telling you, have an obvious, have an obvious uh, faith. Now, the Bible says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pitchers of silver. Have an obvious faith. Jesus painted a mental photograph for Peter when he said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Uh, God gave Abraham a mental photograph of his future when he said, your seed are going to be like the stars in the heavens and like the sand on the seashore. It was a word of encouragement. It was stirring them up about their destiny, about their vision, about their purpose in life. And I'm telling you, you can refresh people by speaking faith into their lives. Proverbs 15, a word spoken in due season, how good it is. You know, a word in season does a world of good. And I was in Northeast Pennsylvania and the pastor said, Harold, the fundamental churches in our area are not the life-giving churches. That's what he said. He just out of the thin air. 
the fundamental churches in our area are not the life-giving churches. Can I say something to you? I believe that Bible churches ought to be life-giving churches. I'm talking about the very life of God in us. And by the way, uh, uh, Christianity is not you doing the best you can. It's Christ in you. It's Christ living his life through you. It's the exchange life. It's not I, but Christ. It's the power of God in you. And it's the Lord Jesus living through you. And I'm telling you, when that happens, you're going to impart life to people. Our ministry should impart life. (laughs) Our lives, our words should impart life, breathe life into people. Proverbs says, as the cold of snow in the time of harvest, so is a faithful, a faith-filled messenger uh, to them that send him, for he refreshes the soul of his masters. Man, you want to have a ministry of refreshment? Believe God. Pray prayers of faith. A minister to people have an obvious faith. To have a ministry of refreshment next, you got to learn how to be a generous giver. Learn how to be a generous giver. Whether they pass the plates in your church or not, learn to be a generous giver. Charles Dickens said, no one is useless who lightens the burdens of another. No one is useless who lightens the burdens of another. More people fail for lack of encouragement than for any other reason. So purpose to be a need meter, a need meter. You know what it says to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians 8. They were in a great trial of affliction, yet they had abundant joy. Great trial of affliction, but abundant joy. And out of their deep poverty, their deep poverty, they, uh, it abounded to the riches of their liberality. And they gave the apostles a gift to give to others. And, and, and I'm telling you, the Bible says they first gave themselves to the Lord. Did you know that um, uh, refreshers are investors? They're givers. They give themselves to God. Then they give their resources, they give their time, they give their emotional strength, (laughs) they're investing. Now, how many of you believe you reap what you sow? Do you believe that? How many of you know that's not just for heaven, that's for down here too? Ephesians, knowing what good thing you do for others, the Lord will do for you. So I want to give you a couple of tips here. Uh, When you find yourself going through a rough, rough time, start sowing. If you're sick, Find somebody sicker than you and minister and pour something into them. And if you've got a case of ingrown eyeballs and you're having a pity party and nobody but the devil and you are showing up, run over to the cancer ward and just sit out there. Now you can't go in. You have to uh, sit outside. But you watch them come in there, those women, and the hair's all gone. Watch those little children come in there. And I'm just telling you, it'll put a different perspective on your situation when you find people that's worse off than you are. How many know there's always somebody worse off than what you are? I was getting a bone scan one time, so medically ignorant. I didn't know how serious this was. <laughs> Sitting out there. and You know, when you're in the bone scan waiting room, there ain't no joking going on. There wasn't any TV playing. And everybody's sitting around like this right here. Sitting around like this. So I got to looking around. Saw this guy over there. I says, uh, He's a black guy. I went over and sat down beside him. I said, uh, I said, hey, man, why are you here? He said, well, and then he told me his story. I said, would it be all right if we had a word of prayer? He said, yeah, man, that would be really good. That would be really good. I was in front of the Cancer Treatment Center of America one time, and, you know, when people come, they stay at this hotel, and they have the little tag on, but 
You know, when their face is ashen and washed out and they're skinny, you don't need to ask them. And the question nowadays is not, do you have cancer? The question is, hey, what kind of cancer do you have? So this guy was out there and he was washed out. The black guy, he's washed out. And I said, hey, man, what's going on? Remember this? He told us this story. I said, be art if we have a little prayer meeting. And we clogged up the entranceway, had a little holy huddle right there. You know, I've never been turned down but one time in my life when I asked if I could pray with people. One atheist one time turned me down, but the rest of that, I've never been turned down. And I'm just here to tell you, uh, if you're discouraged, minister to somebody that's really discouraged. If you're depressed, and we all go through some seasons of this, most of us in a lifetime, find somebody more depressed. If you're hurting, start sowing. Did you know you can help people even when you can't find help yourself? When Jesus was hanging on the cross, dying for the sins of the whole entire race, he's ministering to the thief right beside of him. You can find help. You can, you can offer help even when you can't find any help for yourself. So when people are sick, that's a, that's a green light to get over there and, and bless them. When they've had an accident, they've lost their job, they're in a crisis. I was in Decatur, Illinois. The pastor said, Harold, there's a man behind the church down in the neighborhood. Uh, A a man, a 65-year-old man was driving his pickup through the neighborhood. The sun got in his eyes. And accidentally, he ran over two mothers and five children. One two-year-old boy was uh, killed, and the rest of them were hospitalized. He said, Harold, the father and the husband, he's right down behind the church. I'm going to visit him. Would you like to go? I said, boy, I sure would. I sure would. We went out there, knocked on the door. This guy finally stumbled out, barefooted jeans, hadn't shaved in a day or two. And I was so proud to be a child of God because the pastor said, we heard about what happened to your family and your son. We just want to let you know we're from such and such Baptist church up here on the corner. And we just want to let you know that we're praying for you and your family. We got a little gift right here. We got a little gift right here. We'd We'd just like to give this to you. So we got to talking to this guy. You know what he said? He said, Pastor, have your people pray for the man that ran over my wife and killed my son. He said, I've not been able to get over to see him yet. But he said, I'm sure he feels terrible about what has happened. Would you have your people pray for him? I thought, man, alive. This guy didn't go to a Baptist church, but he was a child of God. Can anybody say hallelujah on that point right there? You don't have to just minister to people that's like you. And I, I'm telling you, I believe if we, we could take advantage and be the first one, Johnny, on the spot when tragedy hits in a neighborhood or in a home, and I'm telling you, we can make an impact on people. I know guys that built their church on a ministry of mercy just by going to the hospital. Now, uh, be a generous giver. I was in West Virginia, and there was this little old woman called Granny Carpenter. Granny Carpenter had a Church of God background. I mean, no, everybody in West Virginia has a Church of God background, every one of them. <laughs> and she was uh, the happiest uh, spark plug, spitfire you ever seen in your life. She lived with an alcoholic husband. He was a drunkard. Uh, they lived in a house you wouldn't put your dogs in. The state of Florida wouldn't let you put animals in the house she lived in. I'm, I'm telling you, it was a pathetic uh, situation as far as physical things was concerned. But old granny love Jesus. And for her, God's good. Jesus is enough. 
and it's all good. I, I mean, she was that kind of person, the most positive person. I always marvel at people like this. So every night she'd come to church, she'd bring me a gift. <laughs> one night she brought me a little lantern, a one-piece molded lantern made in China. I can still, still see the sticker, like you'd get at a carnival somewhere. She gave that thing to me. That meant something to me. One night she gave me a comb. I can't remember if it had any teeth left in it or not, but she gave me this, this, this old, this old worn-out comb. And every night she'd come and bring me a gift. You can ask my wife. I took those gifts, and I took them home, and they were a treasure to me. They meant something to her, and boy, did they mean something to me. I've received many gifts. I've had so much favor poured out on me, but I want to tell you something. What she did meant the world to me because she had nothing to give, but yet she gave anyhow. Learn to be a generous giver. Listen to what it says here in 1 Corinthians 16. I am glad at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaeus, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. Now listen to this. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours. They've refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge them as such. Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. And I'm telling you, life is all about sowing and reaping. It's all about sowing and reaping. Uh, the Bible says a cup of cold water given in Jesus' name is recognized in heaven. Amazing. So when y'all come to the prayer advance, when y'all come to the prayer advance, when you come in the door, you're going to get a bottle of water. When you leave, you're going to get a bottle of water. I can get 2,000 rewards at six cents a piece by simply giving bottles of water to people that come to the prayer advance. I'm serious as a heart attack. I like what one man said, I'm going to spend the rest of my life encouraging people. Did you know that you can buy somebody's lunch anonymously? You're in the restaurant. You see this guy over there, and he looks like he's down on his luck and having a rough go. Or you see some little old grandma sitting over there, maybe of a different race and, and uh you know, there's a lot of people, nobody's ever shown them any favor. Nobody's ever shown them any favor. I'm just determined, brother. I've been shown so much favor. I'm going to show his favors, show favor to as many people as I possibly can. So just call the waitress over. Ma'am, you see this person sitting over there? I would like to buy their lunch anonymously. And then I want you to tell them that a friend bought them their lunch. Would you do that for me? And when you do that, Give the waiter a generous tip. Don't give Baptist tips. You know what waitresses will tell you? The worst time of the week is Sunday morning when the church is let out and the Baptists complain more and give less than anybody else. You ask somebody if that's, 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 a, bad, that's a bad testimony. So give the waitress a good tip. We were in the restaurant one day and I said to this woman, I says, um, Older woman, she's hobbling around. Waitress, I says, um, what's the biggest tip you ever got? She said, 20 bucks, but not in this dump. That's what she said. I said to my wife, we got $20.10. We gave her the biggest tip she's ever had. I know a girl got a $1,000 tip. I'm in the 20s and 50s on the tips, brother. I ain't in the hundred. I ain't in the thousand dollar tipping yet. But uh, but I'm telling you, just be so a lot. If you want to reap a lot, so a lot. Be a blessing. Hadn't God been good to us for crying out loud? Can't we be good to other people? Be a generous giver. I'm telling you, you'll have a ministry of refreshment that way.
And then if you want a ministry of refreshment, you've got to be spirit-filled. This is probably the main one. You get this right, you're, the others will probably fall in line. Keep your repentance current. <laughs> in, in other words, God is love, and when you're filled with his spirit, you'll do more uh, by accident than you will on purpose if you're not filled with the spirit of God. That's why sometimes you've got to pray, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Sometimes you've got to pray, renew a right spirit within me. Sometimes you've got to pray, create a clean heart within me, O God. Duncan Campbell said the greatest thing about a man is his unconscious influence. The greatest thing about a person is his unconscious influence. It's not the stuff he does deliberately. It's just the life of God flowing in and out and through him. And when God is working in you, I'm telling you, he works through you to other people as well. You want a ministry of refreshment? Pray with people. Just pray with them. If they share a burden, hey, can we pray about that right now? I've done this thousands of times, and I'm telling you, it encourages people. It helps people. Pray for people. Your pastor pays, prays for us. What an incredible blessing. Now, look, people are looking for somebody to help them overcome their fears. People are looking for somebody to believe in them, somebody to care for them. I mean, love God and love people. It's pretty simple, isn't it? That's the whole essence of the whole thing anyhow. And so be one of those people. Did you know the churches that care for one another and encourage one another are, 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 are communities of encouragement? I know a church in North Carolina, highly committed back in the day. The pastor was a mercy man, a good Bible teacher, a good soul. Had about 400 people on, on Sunday morning. Had about 400 people on Sunday night. Had about 400 people on Wednesday night. It was a highly committed uh, church. And he got a burden uh, to start a care ministry, a care ministry. So he selected a guy that was gifted, and they trained about 50 people in the church. And you know what they did? They started practicing the one another commands. Pray for one another. Bear one another's burdens. Exhort one another. Forgive one another. Forbear one another. They just practiced the one another commands. There's 22 of them. And, and, and would you believe that that church, that church grew exponentially in 12 months? Now, when somebody would come in and they look, look burdened, they, they had the people trained. They would bird dog them. And if it was a woman, a lady would go up and say, ma'am, uh, sisters, what, is there anything I can pray with you about? And they would share their heart. Well, how about if we pray right here? And they would just pray over her. And if the guy came in, same thing. Brother, is there anything I can pray with you about? And, He'd share his heart and pray for him right on the spot. Would you believe that church went from 400 to 800 in 12 months and all they did was practice Bible one another commands? That's the only thing they did different. Can you believe that? And I want to tell you, we're living in such a disjointed, dysfunctional, messed up uh, society and culture that Community is attractive to people who see it for the first time and experience the love of God through the love of his people. I want to just commend you for going after people. Now listen, prepare a mental list every morning. Every morning when you get up, pray this prayer. Lord, who should I encourage today? Mm -hmm. He'll give you two names in 10 seconds. Lord, how should I encourage? A text, a prayer, a visit, a gift, a, 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 a note, a card. 
And, and, and I'll tell you what, if you do that every day, think about this. If you do that every day for one year, two people a day, you'll minister to 800 people in the, in, in the, in the span of, of one year. It's absolutely amazing. It's incredible. I was in uh, Kirtland, Ohio. God was getting ready to preach, sitting out. They rolled in this lady out of the ambulance, put her right up on the front. All kinds of medical devices, all kinds of personnel and breathing machines. And I didn't pay a lot of attention until I got up to preach. And I looked over, and, and there laid up in that bed was a woman that had a trach coming out of the side of her throat. But she had the, she had the countenance of an angel. She had the most radiant, beautiful, attractive magnetic countenance I think I've ever seen. And I couldn't get over it. Now, if you ever stand up in church and preach to people, sometimes it's hard to find happy countenances. I'm just telling you. And the reason is because the people are burdened. I mean, they're just burdened. I used to think they were hard, but no, they're not hard. They're just burdened, that's all. So she was so so like, like uh, radiant. I just pretty much looked at her the whole time. That was captivating. So after service, I ran right over and introduced myself and she told me her name was Ida Brinkman. I said, Ida, wh- wh- what happened? Why, why are you laying up here in the bed? She said, 49 years ago, I contracted polio. She said, I've been paralyzed ever since. Couldn't even breathe. Her lost husband took care of her until he died two years prior. Then they had to put her in a nursing home because her children didn't want anything to do with her. And I just listened and watched and talked and spoke. We became friends. And I said, Ida, uh, Ida, uh, you, your circumstances are horrific, but you seem to have such a good attitude. I said, Ida, how do you do this? And she said, Harold, I try not to look at my circumstances. I just try to look to Jesus. Man, oh, life. So these kind of people impress me because I'm, I'm, I'm the kind of kid can moan and groan over incidentals, and yet she got the victory in the middle of the worst situation. So my wife was homeschooling our children. I'm the principal in the homeschool. So I'm in charge of field trips. So I said, we're going to see Ida. So we loaded up, took off to the nursing home, took them 30 minutes to get her ready. I mean, you know, nursing homes are not the most pleasant places most of the time, and this was one of those unpleasant places. We walked in the room. It was Ida laid up there, paralyzed. The only thing she could do sometimes was use her uh, big right toe to punch a keypad at the foot of her bed. That's all she could. She couldn't breathe, couldn't eat, couldn't clean herself, couldn't do nothing. And here she is with this angelic countenance. Wow, it's, it, you know, and you feel bad about your griping about stupid stuff when people like this have the victory in the midst of the worst, worst stuff. So Ida became my hero. So I asked her caretaker one day, I said, hey, uh, what, what, what can we do to encourage Ida? She said, it doesn't take much. Phone call, card, balloon, just anything. Don't take much. I said, okay. So I took Ida's picture home. Every now and then I'd feel impressed to uh, send her a card or a flower or a balloon. And, and, and I tried to listen to that. I felt impressed to send her a flower one day, but I forgot. Got busy and flew out and went to Ireland. Went to Ireland the next day. And I forgot all about it. And Debbie called me up and she said, uh, Harold, she said, Ida's gone. I said, what are you talking about? She said, Ida died last night. Man, should have sent the flower. So here I am grieving because Ida was my hero. Now, if y'all want to have your heroes with the NFL, the National Federation of Lunatics, you go ahead. I'm going with Ida. 
I'm just telling you, I'm going with Ida. I admire these kind of people. Boy, I respect them. I'm amazed by them. <laughs> they are so amazing. And, 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 and I was grieving for about 60 seconds, and then the thought dawned on me, hey, Ida doesn't have a breathing machine now. She's not paralyzed now. And I don't care what y'all think, she's dancing. I just don't care what you think, brother. She's dancing. I'm just telling you, she's having a spell. Uh, and, 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 you know, I, I, my heart was relieved somewhat. But I, I missed my opportunity in that case <laughs> uh, to, uh, to send a, a flower. So be passionate about your assignment. Now, Philemon, refresh the saints, and so, show, so should we. We've been shown mercy to show mercy. We've been graced to grace. We've been blessed to bless. We've been lifted to lift. We've been given to give. So purpose to inspire other people. One man said, uh, aspire to inspire before you expire. Aspire to inspire before you expire. I like that. And, and brother, we got the rest of our life to spend sowing and laying up treasure in heaven by encouraging people and ministering to people and helping people and witnessing to people. Oh, dear one, I'm you, did you know you can refresh people by witnessing to them? <laughs> I mean, good news is good news. If you've never heard it, it's good news. I was in a church one time, and a guy lifted his hand to pray for salvation. He came out the door. I said, shook my hand, looked me right in the eye. I said, sir, has anybody ever taken a Bible and shown you how you can know for sure you're prepared to meet God? He said, no, sir. I said, would you like that? He said, I sure would. I said, great, let's go back here. I was the first guy. I've been around a few years. I can name on one hand the people who have intentionally tried to witness to me. I can name on one hand. But you know, I found a gospel track when I was 15 years old in the bathroom of an abandoned store next to the Tasty Freeze. I didn't know what the gospel was. I didn't know what a gospel track was. I didn't know anything, but I found that track that somebody left there on purpose. It was a means of grace to my heart. Did you know you can refresh people by telling them the truth about Jesus Christ? Hallelujah, I'm just telling you, uh, it's tremendous. Intentionally encourage people. Look for reasons to praise people. You know, when I find somebody in the store that's helpful, instead of griping about the guys that are unhelpful, I've decided I'm going to brag on the ones that are helpful. What's your name? Hey, who's the boss? And I, I, I go out of my way to try to, try to, try, try to encourage somebody. Now, 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 motivate others to meaningful goals. Speak hope into people's lives. Speak faith into people's lives. Oh, brother, I'm telling you. Now, I want you to think about the people who light your fire. I want you to think about the people when you get around them, you're always better off for having been with them than you were before. I want you to think about the people that inspire you, help you, refresh you. How many of you know somebody when you get around them, you are always better off than you were before? How many know some people like that right there? Then did you know if you'll do for others what they do for you, you'll have the same impact on others that they have on you? And if you will imitate their actions and their heart and their concern and their words and their actions, you can refresh other people by doing the same thing and the same things that other people do for you. So purpose to be, purpose to be a refresher. Now, what's the application of all of this? How many, how many of you here tonight know somebody right now that's going through difficulty? Do you know anybody that's not going through difficulty would probably be a better question. 
How many of you know somebody that's sick or has a sick family member or a prodigal child or a prodigal grandchild or they're having marital problems or financial problems or emotional problems? How many of you know somebody right now that's going through difficulty and they could use a ministry of refreshment? Now, let me ask you. How many, how many know somebody like that right now that need a ministry of refreshment? Put your hands up everywhere. Mm-hmm. How many of you would commit before you come tomorrow night to do something in an effort to refresh and encourage that person? How many would commit to it? Yeah, I'm in on this. I'm, I'm going to do something about this right here. Put them, put them up right high. I want to see who you are. Put them up. Put them up. Rest of y'all, you surely can think of somebody that needs some help and some refreshment. I wonder how many here sitting here tonight, you're in a dry spell or a dead end or a detour and you're having a rough go and you could use a ministry of refreshment yourself. I'm just telling you, brother, uh, the church ought to be a place where we can hurt out loud and church ought to be a place where we can encourage one another. Anybody here tonight going through it, fearful, sick, worried, big tests coming up, big problem going on, Hospital's been called in, emotional problem, suffering with anxiety, difficulty. Anybody here tonight would say, I wish God's people would pray for me because I feel like I need a ministry of refreshment. Anybody here tonight need a a touch from God? Anybody here need something like that tonight? Can I I encourage you tonight? Um, Church ain't a place where you come and hear preaching. Church is a place where you come and hear and implement. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for one another tonight. I like for two people to huddle up, men with men, women with women, unless your family just needs specifically to pray together. I would like for us tonight to pray over one another, pray for one another, and just to pray the blessing of God upon one another, that a spirit of refreshment would overtake us. And we'd have a second touch, as it were, and and that our hearts would be lifted and our hearts would be filled and our faith would be restored because I'm, I'm telling you, people are stressed out, overwhelmed, and just overtaken with all the bad news. So, brethren, we got to get our minds off of this. I was in the home of one of your family, uh, church family members today, and before I knew it, I was spouting off about the political situation. I didn't help him, and I didn't help me. And so I said, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have ever said all of that. But we need to leave that alone for a little while and practice refreshing others by praying for one another, okay? Everybody good with this? Let's stand to our feet. Huddle up groups of two. Pastor Lytell will come in a few moments after we finish, and he will close the service. Find somebody and pray with them right now. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, Or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.